from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I invite you to visit our ministry website, where you will find a great library of digital audio, video, and print resources. It's all available online at djkm.org. Ian Fleming was an English novelist most famous for writing a series of books on the fictitious British spy named James Bond, or 007. The books were eventually made into films, which follow Bond on many harrowing adventures throughout the world. In the films, Bond is employed by the British Secret Intelligence Service, commonly referred to as MI6. In one of the films, entitled License to Kill, 007 relinquishes this so-called license and goes rogue in order to complete his mission. What Bond realized was, even though he had his license to kill, he was still under the authority of the British government, seeing that as a form of bondage. While having license might suggest freedom, is that really the case? In a nation careening down the slippery slope of abandoning Christianity and embracing the tyranny of secularism and atheism all in the name of freedom, what does it mean to have true liberty? Dr. D. James Kennedy illustrates the difference in his classic message, liberty or license. May we hear the word of God as it's found in the third chapter of the book of Romans. Begin our reading in the 26th verse. May we give our attention to the inspired word of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. And may God speak to our hearts and minds and wills this day through his word, May his name ever be praised. Amen. Christ always has been and always will be crucified between two thieves. 
legalism and license. So spake one of America's greatest theologians. And how true that is. Between two thieves, thieves that would rob Christ of his glory and men of their salvation, legalism and license. Legalism essentially is this. It says that by obeying some set of laws or rules, I may in some way make myself acceptable to the Almighty. By keeping the commandments, I may gain admission into heaven. All of this in the face of the statement by Martin Luther that the most damnable and pernicious idea which has ever plagued the minds of men is the idea that poor, sinful, fallen, depraved man could ever make himself good enough to live in the presence of an all-holy and sin-hating God. What is wrong with the concept of legalism? What is wrong with the idea that we could ever enter into heaven by keeping the commandments of God? Very simply this, no one has ever done it. No mere human being has ever kept those commandments. It is obviously the very height of folly to attempt to gain admission to heaven by keeping a set of laws which we all acknowledge that we have broken. Therefore, legalism is a road where the bridge is out. No man shall cross over thereon. And therefore, Paul declares that God has another way, that he has sent his Son, who alone, as the God-man, has kept all of the commandments of God, who alone was perfectly righteous, and that he lived that perfect life vicariously in our stead, and that God gave him up to be a propitiation, a sacrifice to pay for our sins, and all of our guilt was imputed to him, and he suffered in our behalf and paid the debt which we owe, so that we might be freely forgiven and that God might be re remain just, that he might be just because sin is punished in Christ and that he might be merciful in that we the sinners are spared. We're saved by faith, by trusting in the atoning death of Christ alone, period. End of paragraph, end of chapter, end of the book. Now, that takes care of legalism. Now let's look at the other thief, the thief of license on the left side. License says that I can do anything that I want to do, anything that my little sinful heart desires it may do, and that there may be no restraints whatsoever upon my conduct at all. Now, tragically, it's amazing to think, though we may suppose that the world would throw off all restraints and all law, the law of God, which it detests, but the tragedy is that even in certain segments of the church, the same teaching is set forth. 
And I believe that much of the license that exists in our society today must inevitably be traced to the church and to the antinomian teaching that has been prevalent in some sections of it. Antinomianism, you will recall, come, coming from the Greek word nomos, which means law, is that attitude of mind which is against the law, which says that Christ has redeemed us from the law, and therefore the law now has nothing whatever to say to us, and that we are under no obligations to obey it or keep it. This is the antinomian heresy. Interestingly, the first heresy trial in the United States many a number of centuries ago was for antinomianism, and it is considered an ancient heresy. Paul deals with this in the last verse of this third chapter, verse 28, where he says, Do we then make void the law through faith? Well, the antinomian would rise up and say, Yea and amen, we make void the law, we get rid of the law of God. And of course, that is what the devil has been trying to do since the very beginning. We know the first lie that he said that he gave to Eve was, you shall not surely die. And the intention of that lie was to get her to disobey the law of God, which she did, and her husband did, and man fell into the predicament that he is now in. Do we then make void the law through faith? Listen to the answer of the apostle. God forbid. May kenoito. Let it not be spoken. Do not even think it. God forbid, yea, we establish the law through faith. The Old Testament promise of the prophets was that God would write his law upon our hearts. And this is a sense in which it is established in our hearts, that God gives us a new heart, and he inscribes on that heart the commandments of God, and he gives us a new motivation of love to want to keep it. Yea, we establish the law through faith. We do not destroy it. Now, there is a great deal of confusion here. Let me see if I can make it perfectly clear. We do not gain eternal life by keeping the law. We do not gain eternal life by faith plus keeping the law. Did you hear that? We do not gain eternal life. We are not saved by faith plus keeping the law. These are not the two horses that pull the chariot of salvation. The truth is that we are saved by grace alone through faith in Christ alone, but that inevitably leads to a life of obedience performed out of love and gratitude for Christ. As Jesus said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. That is the teaching of the Scripture. We do not make void the law through faith. We establish it. It is written upon the hearts of men. And yet there are 
numerous teachers and writers in this country that say that the law ended with Christ. They are going to have to deal with the Apostle Paul. It did not end at the cross. In fact, if you go all the way even to the end of the New Testament, in addition to many statements in the epistles, go all the way to the book of Revelation. And if you have your Bible open, open there to the 12th chapter of Revelation and look with me at the 17th verse in that chapter where we read, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, chapter 12, verse 17, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Satan went to war with the remnant of the seed of the woman, that is, the Christian church, which have the testimony of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. Turn over a page to the 14th chapter of Revelation and the 12th verse, and we read, Here is the patience of the saints, of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So we see the commandments have not been abolished, even at the very end of the Bible. Go to the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, chapter 22 of Revelation, and look at 14. 22:14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. My friend, do not believe those who tell you that Christ has done away with the law and that you are under no obligation to keep it. Now, we should keep in mind that the Old Testament law, what are we talking about? The Old Testament law was divided into three parts. There were the ceremonial laws. Those were the laws that prefigured the atoning death of Jesus Christ the sin offering and the trespass offering and the burnt offering and the Passover and all of that whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament. All was prefiguring Jesus Christ's death upon Calvary's cross. And when he died, fulfilling all of that, they were done away. And then secondly, there were the civil laws. Israel was the only nation in the world ever to exist as a theocracy where God was the only lawgiver. They had no legislature to make laws. God gave them their laws. The civil laws which applied to Israel as a theocracy. You can easily spot the civil laws in the Old Testament by one simple test. You may know that it is a civil law if there is a civil and temporal punishment annexed to it. There's a difference between my telling you to do something and uh, the state of Florida telling you to do something. They have a law with a penalty affixed to it. And when the policeman pulls you over and tells you about it, you will discover that that is one of the civil laws because you just got a ticket. That is a penalty for breaking it. The civil laws ended with the theocracy of Israel. But thirdly, there were and are the moral laws of God, which are a reflection of the eternal moral nature of God. And they continue to our time. They are not made void. They are not done away with by Christ. 
These, this is the law of God which is established by faith. These are the commandments of God which those that have the testimony or faith in Jesus keep, the saints of God. We do not make void the law through faith. We establish it. We should keep in mind, for those who say that there is no law, there is no longer any law, I have often asked them in many groups this simple question. Name one thing that you could do that would please God as a Christian other than keeping his law. God makes it very clear in the Bible that he is not interested in people inventing things which they think are going to please him. Who hath commanded you thus to trample my courts, he says in the prophets. God didn't command it and he doesn't want it. God has established a kingdom of righteousness in which he wants us out of love to him. If we love him, said Christ, we will keep his commandments. Out of love to him, we will obey his law and thus order will prevail in God's kingdom. As certainly everyone realizes that that is the case in will be the case in heaven. Now we have seen that on one side there is legalism and the other side there is license. But on the middle cross, there is liberty. And we're considering today the difference between liberty and license. Liberty is found in Christ. I find my freedom from legalism, from the idea that the law is a covenant of works whereby I'm going to be saved. I am delivered from that and I am set free in Christ. You see, the difference, we are set free from the law as a covenant of works whereby we might be saved. But we are now adopted into the family of God and the law is a guide whereby we may, be, may please our Father. What do we see in our own society today? This is a nation that was founded in liberty. Our fathers came to this country to establish a nation where people would be free to worship and serve Christ. It was the liberty of men and women who had been set free in Christ. But that liberty has always been endangered by and under increasing insult, assault by those who are not free in Christ. For those who are not free in Christ and who have been given new hearts for Christ are inevitably going to try to shift that liberty into license. And today the modern humanist is on his platform daily crying out for license. He doesn't want freedom under law, he wants freedom from law unless he can remake the laws until the laws legalize license. And that is precisely the direction in which we have been moving for a number of decades in this country. That every form of immorality has not only been condoned and practiced, but if the humanists have their way, will be enacted into legislation and given official sanction by the government. And when that happens, things inevitably get worse as decisions about pornography would show, as decisions about abortion show, as decisions about any moral issue. When these are relaxed by law, immediately things get worse and worse because of the natural inclination of men downward. 
We constantly hear the cry that you can't legislate morality. I hope that there is not a Christian left in America that is still deceived by that lie. But I have no doubt that there are. The truth is you can't legislate anything but morality. We have laws against rape because it's immoral. We have laws against incest because it's immoral. We have laws against bestiality because it's immoral. We have laws against murder and theft because they are immoral. Now the question is not whether or not you can legislate morality, but simply whose morality. And the secular humanists with their sexual licentiousness as their agenda for morality are attempting to legislate their immorality as legally binding moral codes. But I think that we're seeing a change. And I believe that we can get out of this cesspool of license back onto the solid ground of liberty in Jesus Christ. We need to first of all make sure that we are in Christ, that we have that liberty in Christ, that we have been delivered from the law from the condemnation of the law as a slave and have been adopted into the family of God as a son that we can with glad and willing heart yield ourselves to obedience to a loving father. And then we need to continue to make our voices heard even more. I'm more and more convinced that we can make a difference. Our voices are heard and people are responding. I would urge you don't let an instance go by. Make a call, write a letter, stand up, express your mind, and by the grace of God, we can change this nation back to what it was to begin with. God grant us to see that victory in Christ. May we pray. Father, we thank Thee for the freedom that we have in Christ, the freedom to be that which Thou created us to be, to rejoice in thy love and to serve thee with gladness of heart and willingness of spirit. We pray that each person here may know that joy and that freedom in Christ. Change our nation back from license to liberty in law. For Jesus' sake, amen. True liberty is found in Jesus Christ alone. Are you trusting in Christ for your salvation? Or are you looking to the world, hoping to find satisfaction there? If you want life to the full now, and the assurance that you will be with God in heaven someday, you need only to look to Jesus Christ, who willingly died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. He alone rose from the dead, and now offers us the gift of eternal life. We can't earn it, and we don't deserve it because of our sin, which separates us from an all-holy God. But today, if you are ready to place your trust in Christ, then would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I have sinned in my thoughts and actions. Please forgive me. I place my trust in you, and I want to know the freedom that only you can give. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. And it's in your name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. You're in for a great adventure as you grow in your relationship with the living God. To help you do that, 
we'd like to send you beginning again. Dr. Kennedy wrote this book to help new believers, just like you, to grow in their faith. You'll learn how to read and study the Bible, how to pray, and even find some answers to some of the questions you might have. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number. And would God richly bless you as you do. As Dr. Kennedy discusses in his message, the legislating of morality is inevitable. The only relevant question is, whose morality will be legislated? Is it going to be God's morality or man's morality? And who will do the legislating? Will it be the duly constituted authorities? Or will it be unelected officials usurping legitimate authority? For decades now, our God-given rights and liberties have been massively eroded by the courts. The federal judiciary has instituted abortion on demand, silenced voluntary prayer in schools, discovered a so-called right to sodomy in the Constitution, and legalized same-sex marriage across the nation. And even though we have a First Amendment guaranteeing free religious exercise, the Supreme Court has established itself as the unelected entity that tells us whether Christians can live out their consciences on biblical matters. How in the world have we gotten to this point? Well, you can find the answers in our brand new Truth in Action Q&A booklet called, What is Judicial Tyranny? This subject is one of the central threats to our republic. The book will help you better understand how we have gotten here as a nation and what we can do about it. We will send you a three-pack of the new Truth in Action Q&A booklet, What is Judicial Tyranny? as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. And we have another valuable resource for you that is very appropriate for this time of year when we celebrate our nation's birth. It's the book called The Founder's Key by Hillsdale College President Dr. Larry Arn. This powerful book shows how the political left has worked to remake America in its own image by sharply dividing the Declaration of Independence from the Constitution, which had always stood together until the last century. This division has enabled judges to unshackle the government and let it grow into a leviathan. The Founders Key also includes key passages from our founding documents, including the full text of both the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And we will send it to you along with a three-pack of the Truth in Action Q&A booklet, What is Judicial Tyranny? as our thanks for your generous donation of $40 or more to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 
832-3069 or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.